Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome to Unit 3. This is the Civil Liberties and Civil Rights stuff. Uh, this entire unit makes up about 13 to 18% of the AP exam. So, um, it is not one of the larger ones. It's not like Unit 2 which is the, the biggest one, uh, unit one or unit five. Okay. So this is probably the fourth smallest. Uh, however, despite the, the small amount, small percentage, there are quite a few of our required court cases in here. So just be aware that, uh, when you're taking a look at materials and stuff, a lot of the court cases that you got to know, uh, come from this unit. So, uh, now, there is a separate podcast that goes over all 15 of those court cases. So it's not something, you know, we're going to go over them in here, but you can also go and, and listen to the back as well if you need to. All right. So for this first one, we're going to cover four standards, 3.1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, those include the Bill of Rights itself and then mostly the First Amendment. Okay. So we're going to cover uh, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and the freedom of press in this one. So we'll, we'll knock out the First Amendment. Uh, all right, so first off, the Bill of Rights 3.1. The learning objective is to explain how the U.S. Constitution protects individual liberties and rights. And then there's a second one, describe the rights protected in the Bill of Rights. So the first one, uh, explain how the U.S. Constitution protects individual liberties and rights. Um, the big one is the, the Bill of Rights itself. Okay, the Bill of Rights was created, remember, as kind of a compromise for the anti-federalists to protect people's personal liberties. The, the Bill of Rights is a listing of people, mine and yours, personal liberties that the government cannot take away from you. They cannot take away your right to free speech. You're allowed to say certain things and the government cannot stop you. You're allowed to talk badly about the government. The press can write <clears throat> within reason uh, what they want about the government. Most of the stuff is geared toward protecting people's right to question criticize the government, okay? Uh, the essential knowledge mentions a couple of things. The U.S. Constitution includes a Bill of Rights, specifically designed to protect individual liberties and rights. We just said that. We know that. The second thing, civil liberties are constitutionally established guarantees and freedoms that protect citizens' opinions, or excuse me, that protect citizens, comma, opinions, comma, and property against arbitrary government interference. Along the lines of what we've been saying, the government cannot take this stuff away from all right, and that one's um, the property part specifically that's dealing with the Fifth Amendment and eminent domain, where the government can take away your property, but they have to fairly compensate you. Uh, and then the next one is the application of the Bill of Rights is continuously interpreted interpreted by the courts. And we're going to go over a lot of those court cases, but it is something that's still questioned today. Uh, people will make their appeals based on parts of the Bill of Rights. The second part uh, for learning objective was to describe the rights protected in the Bill of Rights. And then the essential knowledge uh, says the Bill of Rights consists of the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, which enumerate the liberties and rights of individuals. Um, I would go ahead and you know, we're going to go through most of the first 10 uh, throughout the, 
throughout unit three. But I would go ahead and memorize the uh, amendments. There have been instances where FRQs have said, you know, uh, it was, uh, sorry, I'm uh, drawing a blank here. It was the Sixth Amendment. <clears throat> and the, 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 the question, the FRQ, was the court case comparison. And it talked about speedy trials and that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, so basically, it gave you information about a, a court case that it dealt with that. And then it compared it to Gideon versus Wainwright. And the first part was which amendment is common between these two court cases. And the first answer you had to give was literally just the sixth. All you had to write was a six. That was it. And you got credit. But people, I graded this one, people were writing all kinds of things. Fifth Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Seventh Amendment, everything but the sixth. So I would go ahead and memorize the first 10 amendments uh, just so you know the freedoms that are in there. All right, let's jump into 3.2, 3.3, and 3.4. These are the uh, three the, the three main ones for the First Amendment. There are five total, religion, speech, press, and then the two that really get kind of put on the back burner is assembly and petition. And the College Board uh, standards is no different. Uh, but let's run through 3.2, uh, freedom of religion. All right, so the first thing is the learning objective, and it says to explain the extent to which the Supreme Court's interpretation of the First and Second Amendment reflects a commitment to individual liberty. Now, for this one, uh, we're going to go through the essential knowledge, and uh, it is specific to the First Amendment, and there's two clauses you got to know, and then two court cases, okay? So, freedom of religion, <clears throat> and it has two clauses in the First Amendment that protects your freedom of religion. The first one is the Establishment Clause. The Establishment Clause does two things. I know I'm throwing out a lot of numbers here. The Establishment Clause does two things. It guarantees that the government will never create a state-sponsored religion. So that means that there will not be a First Church of the United States, a First Church of Georgia, First Church of any state that you're required to go to. The government will not create one. The second thing that the Establishment Clause does is says the government will not create laws and rules that favor one religion over the other. So... They're not supposed to create any kind of law, any kind of policy that favors one over the other. Now, let's jump right into the court case that deals with the Establishment Clause, and that's Engel versus Vital. We'll come back to the second clause in just a second. Engel versus Vital, E-N-G-E-L versus Vital, V-I-T-A-L-E, and it's one of the required court cases, uh, deals with the prayer in school. All right. Uh, this happened back in the 60s, and during that time, you as a student would come to class, and one of the first things your teacher would do would be to lead you in prayer. I used to know it. I don't know it right now. It's a, it was a short prayer, a couple of sentences. It wasn't long, but the bottom line was you were forced to pray in school. Um, and so the, the parents got together um, and eventually brought a suit against the school system. And it's going to make its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and the school is going to, you know, I mean, that's not the school, excuse me. But the uh, Supreme Court is going to rule and declare that the school uh, cannot, basically cannot force religion uh, and religious activities on the students, that it violates the Establishment Clause. And this is kind of where the separation of church state comes from. Now, people get messed up all the time. They're like, well, no one can pray in school. Well, uh, you can pray in school. Hey, before you take this AP exam, you're like, uh, you want to bow your head and you want to say a little prayer? 
no one's going to stop you, but there's not going to be a teacher that is going to hold your hand properly and you know make you pray. Will a teacher pray with you? There are probably some that will, but it's not going to be a requirement. It's not going to be forced or anything like that. Um, so just keep that in mind. All right. Now, the second clause is the free exercise clause, and this is the one that allows you to worship how you want to. Okay. So free exercise is going to give you the ability to do all the, the different worships that you, uh, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you can worship in which, with whatever religion you want to. And within that, you can you know, worship uh, with different, you know, all religions do stuff that are different. So you can do all these different things within your religion. And now you can't do illegal things. Uh, I'll mention a case in just a second that dealt with that. But uh, the case that you got to know is Wisconsin versus Yoder. And in this case, the Amish wanted to pull their, their kids out of school after eighth grade. Uh, I think that was the, the grade. And uh, Wisconsin law said you can't pull kids out of school until they're 16. So the Amish are going to get together and they're going to, to sue the schools of Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin, uh, saying that they're those compulsory school school laws uh, violate their freedom of religion. And the Supreme Court is eventually going to uh, agree. Okay, They're going to say that um, compelling Amish students to attend school past the eighth grade violated the free exercise clause. So this state law was deemed to, to violate the free exercise clause. Um, and so that was, uh, that was the, the, the the, the free exercise clause case. Okay, there, there's more, and there's plenty of free exercise clause cases out there. And there's instances where the government has won. There's instances where the government has lost. Um, the bottom line is you can pretty much worship how you want to. You just can't do illegal things. And that comes from Oregon versus Smith. Uh, and typically it's going to be drugs. People will try and uh, get drugs into their, their, their religious ceremonies and things like that. And, um, in this case, two Native Americans were uh, fired from their job at a drug rehab center because they showed up high on peyote. Now, they had done the peyote as a part of a religious ceremony, okay? And so that was their argument because all this started because they got, they got fired and they weren't able to collect unemployment. And so they're going to sue based on that. And the, the Supreme Court is going to say, you know, hey, it's, it is a religious ceremony. We agree. But... Free exercise does not protect illegal things. All right, so that is the First Amendment and the freedom of religion. Now, the second one, is 3.3, is the First Amendment's freedom of speech. All right, and um, it is <clears throat> pretty much the same learning objective you know, that we just said for the, the 3.2, so I'm not going to repeat that, uh, but it does have some different things there for 3.3. Uh, all right, so uh, first off, the big thing for speech, and, and I just can't reiterate this enough with you. We, we said it in class, and it's just something that uh, people just don't understand. Uh, this First Amendment freedom of speech protects you from the government. All right. The government will not restrict what you say. The government will not take away your voice in, in, in certain areas and things like that. However, it is not something that makes you free of consequence. Okay. Um, whether it is from a business, whether it is from a personal standpoint, whatever it might be, um, this only applies to the, the government. This does not apply to businesses. It doesn't apply to individuals and things like that. Um, and in the fall semester, I like to use the example of uh, John Gruden, who was a football coach for the Raiders. He had had some emails of his uh, exposed or released or, or whatever 
uh, and he had said some racially insensitive things about, I think it was about some players, maybe. I'm, I can't remember exactly now. It's been so long ago. Um, but he eventually was basically forced to resign from his job as the head football coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, was that the government doing anything? No, the government didn't do a thing about that, right? Um, it wasn't on their, it wasn't anything they had any kind of power over, okay? But he still lost his job because of what he said. So there are consequences behind your, your speech. You don't have free speech. You don't have the power and the ability to say whatever you want. All righty. Uh, it's just the government cannot take away some of the things you want to say. All right. With that said, let's jump into the essential knowledge. There's two main things. Um, well, yeah. So first one deals with uh, a required court case, and that's Tinker versus Des Moines. So let's jump into that one first. Uh, in this case, the Tinkers were a family and they had three kids, I think it was. And this happened in the, the 60s and 70s. And, and they wore uh, black armbands to school to protest the Vietnam War. So you know, pretty simple black armbands. The school suspended them, saying they were you know, disrupting the, the learning environment or, or whatever the, the words were. I don't know exactly what else, but they got suspended. And so um, they're going to, to fight back against this. And... Um, the Supreme Court is eventually going to get to hear their case, and they're going to agree with the students. And they're going to rule that uh, public school students can wear you know, armbands uh, that protest the Vietnam War. You know, now, you know, that's super specific, armbands to, to protest the war. But, you know, we can expand it to today now where you know, you're, you're allowed to wear some, some things that are in, in form of protest. Uh, that doesn't mean you can be silly about it and do something that like wear a... Um, a marijuana shirt or something like that because you want to make marijuana legal or whatever it might be. Yeah, you can't do that kind of stuff. But if you were wanting to protest, um, whatever, I don't know what, what, what you'd want to protest. But you could do it with, you know, let, let's say you want to do legalization of marijuana. Instead of wearing a, a, a marijuana shirt, maybe you wear a green ribbon. All right. You could probably do that uh, and not get in trouble because you have that ability. All right. Uh, and that symbolic speech. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that deal with symbolic speech, but that's the case you got to know. All right. The next thing, uh, the next central knowledge says to the efforts to balance social order and individual freedom are reflected in interpretations of the First Amendment that limit speech, including. And then there's three bullets, time, place and manner regulations, defamatory, defamatory offensive and obscene statements and gestures and clear and present danger. And that's another one of your required court cases. So let's, let's break this down very quickly um, because we still have one more standard to cover. Um, social order and individual freedom, the balancing of those things through the First Amendment and the speech. All right. Um, that is the question, you know, and we've talked about this before in some other podcasts. At least I think I have. <laughs> They're all running together at this point. But um, it's one of the things the government has to do. You know, we have our, our freedoms, our liberties, and things like that, but at, at what cost sometimes? You know, we got to make sure that we protect the, the overall good, the social order sometimes. And, and sometimes that might mean you know, giving up some of your, your freedoms. All righty. Now, the three bullets, the first one was time, place, and manner regulations. All right. Uh, there, you know, you can say some things and you can... Uh, not get in trouble, then if you say the same thing in other places or a different time, you might get in trouble. And if you run into the, the school lunchroom 
and you yell bomb or fire or shooter or something like that, you're probably going to face some consequences. You're probably going to get in trouble. If you're walking down the, uh, if you go on your senior walk and you go over to, to Walnut Grove and you're walking down the halls and you're cussing up a storm, you know, you're probably going to face some consequences. So there are time and places for, for those things. Um, the offensive, obscene statements and gestures, the court has ruled in the past that so there are fighting words. So there are some words that uh, trigger very high emotions. And we probably know some of the words um, and gestures and things like that. So um, they, you say this, there might be some consequences for you. And it might not be from the government, but it might be a personal thing. You go going back to the John Gruden thing, okay? Uh, and then finally is the uh, court case that you got to know for this one, Shank versus the U.S. Now, I've seen his name said multiple ways. Uh, the last time I went to a APGov workshop, they were saying it's Shank. And so just because it's the most recent, that's what I'm going with. I've also heard it, Schnick, and some other things. I don't know. Uh, who knows how the, the proper way to say it is, but Shank versus the U.S. In this case, Shank and another uh, person were handing out pamphlets protesting uh, the, the draft during World War One. They were saying that it violated the 13th Amendment and involuntary servitude, and they were you know, peaceful. They, I mean, they weren't doing anything other than handing out some pamphlets in front of a, a recruiting office or a recruiting station or whatever, um, you know, to my knowledge, and they got arrested. All right, and charged with violating the Espionage Act, and um, you know, they were charged and sentenced and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Shank is going to appeal, saying my, my First Amendment freedom of speech is being violated here because I have the right to to do this. I have the right to hand out these pamphlets and and uh, you know tell people to to not submit to the draft and things like that. And the Supreme Court is going to get it, and they're going to make a ruling. All right, and they're going to rule that Shank, uh, because of the war going on, presented a clear and present danger. And that's a key kind of phrase to remember for this uh, court case. So the clear and present danger uh, test. Uh, so basically, yes, you have First Amendment freedoms. You have the freedom of speech and the government won't take these away unless, all right, and that's where the key thing comes from, unless you present this clear and present danger. Now, if this case was to be heard today, so if someone was to be out protesting um, some something militarily that the government's doing, this this would not be a case. But back in 1919, when this happened, you know, the times were different and this did happen. All right. But it, it is a freedom of speech case. Shank's freedom of speech was restricted because of the clear and present danger test. All right. All right. Finally, for this is 3.4, uh, the freedom of press. So uh, the learning objective is the same as it has been, so I'm not going to repeat it. The essential knowledge deals with one court case, New York Times versus the U.S., so uh, just one court case to know. But just a, a side note real quick, uh, the press, once again, they can write what they want to, minus a few national security things, but you know they're allowed to criticize the government, and the government cannot stop them, all right? So, you know, as long as it's not, like, you know, uh, classified information they're releasing or or something like that, they're probably going to be able to write, write what they want to. All right, in New York Times versus the U.S., <clears throat> uh, this was when the New York Times, the Washington Post, 
couple other newspapers. I can't remember exactly all of them. Uh, got a hold of the, the Pentagon Papers, and, and you might recall that from U.S. history. Uh, basically, it was a report detailing uh, American involvement in Vietnam, and they wanted to release some information about these papers and, and that sort of stuff. And the U.S. government was like, no, you can't do that. Okay, no, you can't. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so that's where the case comes from, the fact that the, the Times and the Post and all those people wanted to release these, these documents. The Supreme Court's going to get it, and they're going to uh, allow the, the papers to release, the, the newspapers to release the papers. Okay, uh, so this was a uh, win for the press and a loss for the government. Um, they're going to cite something called prior restraint. All right, and this is a key term to remember from this. Prior restraint is where the government's going to try and stop them. All right. Um, so there's a case in Minnesota, near versus Minnesota, where uh, a local newspaper was releasing some some stuff about a uh, the local government, how they I think I think it was how they were corrupt or something like that, and they had some documents, and, and the government came in and stopped them. The local government stopped the the newspaper. Uh, can't do that. Okay. So oh, excuse me, I'm getting tired. Uh, you can't do that. So uh, the the Supreme Court is going to bolster the freedom of the press, establishing and what they call a heavy presumption against prior restraint, even in cases involving national security. Now, this the time was over. <clears throat> you know, Vietnam was basically coming to an end or at an end here when these papers were going to be released. So that's that was part of it. All right, guys. As always, reach out to me if you have questions, concerns, need help with any of this stuff. Uh, remind, text me, email me. Social media, come find me in class and we'll uh, sort out whatever questions you might have. All right, guys, take care. Bye bye.